Welcome back to the Don't Worry About It podcast, where we talk all things mental health related, from anxiety to depression, from happiness to sadness, and all emotions and feelings in between. My name is David Izzo, and I started this podcast to help facilitate conversations related to mental health topics. On this week's episode, Ted Owen joins the podcast for a conversation about mental health and as well as the intricacies that go into being a musician. I've always been fascinated into it, but as my lack of music knowledge is clear, I needed somebody who's passionate about music and as well as the man who actually found the guest. So Effie Hirschman joins as the third partner of this podcast and my co-host. I am really enjoyed having somebody else's perspective in this conversation. It was an interesting dynamic. I really appreciated Ted's ability to open up and to be so honest and articulate about his thoughts and feelings and what goes into being a musician and the struggles. It was really interesting to me. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. Thanks so much for listening. Ted Owen, welcome to the Don't Worry About It podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to join Effie and I for a conversation. Um, Before we get into that, I just want to give you the opportunity now just to introduce who you are. Thank you. My my name is Ted Owen. As you said, I'm a musician. Uh, I live in Orlando, Florida. Um, I'm sure we'll get into a lot more than just that. But as of now, I'm uh, you know I uh, I've been playing music uh, full time for uh, the better part of a decade. I am releasing uh, my first full length album starting this February. Pretty excited about that and. Um, Looking forward to talking to you guys about my connection to music and how it sort of relates to mental health and some of the other subject matter that uh, appears on this podcast. Yeah, I'm like so happy that you're like, well, that you're willing to come on and do this. I think the musician's aspect is so interesting to me, how people connect their music um, to what they're, oh, you know, a lot of great songs or a lot of music is really tailed to feelings and emotions, you know, hear about the crazy songs about like, songs about breakups and hardships and times in our life and then there's also that aspect and then there's also the aspect of you know playing music and what it's like going on stage and and just playing music and what goes into all that the mental makeup dealing with anxiety before during after and i really wanted to bring um effie on also because he's somebody who like we talk about music all the time he, he tells me how much music plays such a big role in his life and it's why i wanted to bring him on to join this conversation Right. It's been, um, it's, 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 it's true. And, and actually, um, how you guys doing? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the way, you know, the way that this all got started, the way that Ted got connected was cause I, I saw him performing, um, and he was just phenomenal. And he performed a request from a favorite <laughs> of mine, James Taylor. Uh, no, no, no. Of, I was just yeah. laughing. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I love James Taylor. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, I think he's great. So I so we play. So 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 I saw so I saw Ted playing, and he. You know, I think he. I think he had a sign. He mentioned, you know, if anyone has any requests. And at the time, I was listening to a lot of James Taylor, a lot of Bob Dylan, a lot of Billy Joel. Um, I knew that James Taylor would felt like it was the most similar to the style that Ted was playing, which was acoustic guitar. Um, and he had, and he seemed to have that that super uh, unique voice. You know, um, it's actually funny. My mom hates James Taylor's voice. Uh, and I love it. I can't, I can't get enough of it. And I was like, you know, this guy would sound really great singing a James Taylor song. So I said, anything James Taylor played uh, some fire and rain. And, um, and I, I said, this guy's super talented. And I started following him on Instagram. 
Um, and, you know, he just gave off, I, Ted gave off a really, a very, a very cool um, and real, genuine uh, feel to, to your performance. Um, you know, and, and, my, and my cousin and I were both there and we were both struck by really just, you know, we, we, we felt that when you, you weren't just playing to make a buck, you were playing because you loved it. And, you know, and I think it's a pretty tangible feeling for somebody, you know, for an audience member or a musician to, to feel someone that's doing it because they love it and there's nothing they'd rather do. And, you know, and someone that's doing it because they're talented at it and they'd rather, and, and then yeah, they'd I, like I appreciate that very much. I'm, I'm glad you got to see me play and uh, I'm happy that I, I did your song justice. That's right. That's right. I have to come back sometime soon, back to um, back to Orlando area, and come, come yeah, here, man. Hear another live rendition. I'd love to I get the opportunity to play for you again. So, so Ted, I want to start yeah. out just beginning. Where did the passion for music come from? Well, my father was a musician. Um, for much of his adult life, he did transfer into more of like a, a corporate gig uh, in his thirties. So, by by the time that I was conscious he was no longer playing music full-time but he still would do occasional gigs and like he was in a um he always it's kind of funny term he calls it a quasi-famous 80s band uh they were called the producers they were a new wave band back in like the early days of mtv and stuff they were on there and did some touring and whatnot so um i got like i said i got to see him perform occasionally and i really looked up, up to him and i thought it was just the coolest and um uh Incidentally, I'm also uh, I also share with him we're both really terrible at sports. Um, uh, to, no hand eye coordination, <laughs> just like a, a total mess on the field. And so, um, at the I started playing guitar at 11, and at that age, it was pretty much you either played sports or you didn't have much of a reason to do things with other people, is what it felt like. Um, and so I I I was felt like quite an outcast and. Um, had a had a natural knack for the guitar and it gave me something to do while the other kids were playing sports so everyone's all the kids are out there you know playing sports being athletic and you're and you have this inclination right you some people are born with athletic ability and other people are born with you know artistic ability as somebody who has the worst artistic ability levels probably in the history of the world i'll put mine i'll put myself up against almost anyone it's like that bad i can't sing can't dance can't draw can't do anything yeah that's really like super. That's it's a super cool, interesting dynamic. Like I've loved playing sports growing up. I'm not the most athletic guy either, but like I had I had hockey growing up, and that was something that I like could channel a lot of my stuff into. Was music your outlet? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and go ahead. Yeah, it, it's um. It, before I remember before you know uh, before playing the guitar, uh, pretty much as a kid. It, it I, I'm sure probably a lot of people can relate to this, but saying it it sounds a little bit empty uh, because of not doing sports or anything like that, not having an activity per se that I had found um, any interest in prior to the, the music. It was just like what toys I had at the moment is what gave me value or like what made what I would wake up thinking about. And those are very fleeting. You know, you want a new one every week. It was um, you know, just basically the materialistic sure. life of a 10 year old. And then all of a sudden I, um, I start playing guitar and love it. And now I have something that isn't fleeting uh, that I, I can enjoy and uh, try and progress on. And so, yeah, it's, it's sort of like my first opportunity to experience um, something, I guess, real 
that's lasting was was with music. That's super. That's super cool and super. It's super relatable because you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when people stick to a sports, it's because it's a passion, a form of self-expression. Yeah. You know, or at least a lot of people. Um, and you know, and you know, and, and it's cool because a lot of people spend a very long time if they don't have that trying to figure out exactly what it is that their passion is. You know, and sports is something that comes relatively easy. You know, parents want their kids to be playing mm-hmm. basketball or hockey or soccer. You know, and um, and I guess, you know, I mean, um, so I, I, did, you, did you find any, you know, friends or camaraderie um, with, with other musicians your age or younger or older? I did. What was, what was that um, experience? It took a while because uh, I wasn't involved in musical, like, uh, like eventually I joined jazz band was my first like group experience with music, playing guitar in jazz band, um, which I then did for all the way through college once right. I started. But I don't, I don't think I started that till um, seventh grade or close to the end of seventh grade. And so um, for the first couple of years, it was just me alone in my room. And I didn't, I was like, uh, I'm a perfectionist <laughs> to, to, a, to a fault a lot of the times. And so I didn't want to play for anybody until I felt like I was good. And um, my, I remember my dad would have his friends come listen to my closed door of me practicing. And if I found out they were doing that, I would get really humiliated and be like, don't do that, dad. Like I'm, I'm practicing, I'm not good yet. But um, eventually when I like a couple of years in uh, felt a little more comfortable actually talking about it to people. I, uh, I did start meeting friends who were like-minded in that maybe they weren't really into sports. They were more into at least just listening to music. And I actually, um, uh, I, I, one in particular, I can think of my buddy, Michael, who um, I, this is not like a pat on my own back. It's just a cool thing we we're able to share. I think was sort of influenced to want to start playing the guitar because of having hung out with me and seeing that I was doing that. He already loved music and he's been a musician for um, his whole life now. So we kind of, yeah, shared that. Uh, wow. that similar we both loved Third Eye Blind at the time. And so the, well, that was, um, it was like, well, right. Ted's playing these songs. I want to, I want to play these songs too. And he's a musician. So, it was actually funny. I was talking to David yesterday um, about the beauty of a lot of times, especially for people that are trying to find themselves, uh, when you see someone that has found, you know, their passion or their self-expression, and then they realize that that too could be their form, you know, in their own way. It sounds a lot similar, you know, it sounds kind yeah. of like what happened with you and your buddy Michael in the sense that, you know, he saw you expressing yourself was like, you know, maybe this is something that 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 caught like, you know, something caught fire in him, you know, and he, and, 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 and he got that ignited as well. And I think that it's, a, I think it's, a, I think it's a super cool thing. It's a beautiful thing to, um, to have, to have that understanding that you, that, that your passion has helped ignite another passion. Uh, we, Are you guys still close? We, off and on, yes. We, we, you know, one of those friendships where he's moved far away. Uh, he lives in Austin, Texas now. But we, we still have a lot of love for one another. And his mom, oh, cool. uh, I was extremely close with as a kid. Um, she was like a second mom to me. So oh, I still talk to her and him on holidays and stuff. But sadly, he and I haven't been able to physically get together in quite some time. Um, obviously, now right, globally, right. it's not a good time to physically get together anyways. But um, even before then, you know, just not living in the same place. We're not as close as I'd like to be, but we still connect through listening to each other's music. He makes awesome music. And um, uh, yeah. I think it's really interesting how 
you know, art and music can connect people and the bonds that you create, right? We were just talking, uh, Effie and I were talking about it. Yes, yesterday <clears throat> when you're searching for something, you see something that's, see someone that's authentic and real and you see a real self of self, a sense of self, it, it's, ve- it's, it's kind of special and like some part of you just latches onto it and hearing your relationship with Michael and knowing, right, you haven't seen each other in a while, but the bond that you guys created through me, what started out through music and I'm sure um, expanded to, to other stuff also, no matter how much time passes that bond will all the core strength of that bond will always be there sure um well like you know you know we we started to get to know each other sort of like um in a pedestrian way before immediately sharing on the music but that came pretty quickly afterwards and so getting to know michael as a person who's he's, i really love the guy i think he's great and um now anytime i hear his music um, and he's, you know, continued making music over the years. So I've heard it at various stages. I really hear him in it. Like, um, you know, his idiosyncrasies. Yeah. His quirks that's and stuff. And that's really that's cool. Special, like I, I kind of, I feel like I have an intimate knowledge of the place where certain phrases he's using, or even just kind of the way that he sings, like where that's coming from. And it's, yeah, it's neat. It's neat. Was jazz, was jazz, a pat- you said that you started playing, um, Jazz, I mean, it was one of the first things you yeah, said, I guess, yes. through college, maybe? I, um, um, yeah. Was that, was jazz always a passion or was it, was so there another style? This is going to be what, funny. What was, um, uh, how'd you get started with that? Believe it or not, I started <laughs> when I, so when I was 10 and 11, getting into guitar, and uh, this is actually the case for Michael, too, who for years has been like a folk rock artist, but um, we don't always start where we end up, and uh, I, we were both really into metal. Like I started, uh, I was learning Limp Biscuit songs and Corn songs and stuff. Like when I first started playing, that's what I wanted to play. Um, and uh, jazz came as a necessity because the only uh, way that I could play with a group in school, like an official group, was jazz band. That's the only, uh, you've got like choir, orchestra. Oh, man. <laughs> and the only place for a guitar and drums is jazz band. And so I didn't know any jazz, but I learned it because I wanted to play with people. And uh, now, now it's just massively influential on all of my stuff. I, I get a lot of commentary from other like um, pop artist friends or folk artist friends or indie guys who uh, I think maybe if one of the most common compliments or just comments that I hear about music is its chord structure being kind of uh, different and that comes straight from jazz. So um, ha- got into jazz because I had to, and then fell in love with it. And it's some of the, some of the biggest influence on, on my work. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. I used to, I used to take girls on first or second dates on the Upper West Side of Manhattan to a little bar called Cleopatra's Needle. And they played live jazz music, cool. I think, every night of the week. Um, and I would basically, <laughs> I would, I would judge the girl based on her response to the music and the live music environment. Um, and there was one time that I was there and, and Tuesday nights they would have famous musicians come by and one of Duke Ellington's piano players actually came by to jam. And, you know, the person made an announcement, you know, we're, we're pleased to have, you know, X, Y, yeah. Z, who was Duke Ellington's piano player. Um, and I was, and I got, I got hyped. I got all excited and the girl looks oh, at me and says, like, oh, no. who's Duke Ellington? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, forget about it. It's not going to work. I'm sorry. It's not... <laughs> but but um, it's cool to hear that, 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 that that's how it happens. So what kind, of, what kind of music are you making now and how, and, you know, and, and in terms of, again, you know, if, if, if this is a form of self-expression, what's your, um, 
what's what are you trying to get across what's your what's sure. your what's your what's your so my music um i call it dark fun pop is uh the the best way i can describe it it's indie pop you know it's a little bit off the beaten path it doesn't necessarily sound like billboard top 20 material but it's not so far gone that it's like total art music either it's somewhere in between and most of the artists i love and that have really heavily influenced me sit in that kind of same space so um it's it's like like I said, a lot of the subject matter lyrically is somewhat dark. I talk a lot about depression and anxiety and insecurity and struggling with trying to define a sense of self and what, what sort of some of the more philosophical standard questions of like, what are we here for? What's the point of this? But um, it's usually to a somewhat upbeat sound. And I like that juxtaposition. Um, right. So, the, and that's kind of the message I'm trying to, I suppose, get across is, is I, I actually believe comes from a similar place of podcasts like this one, which I'm really honored to have been asked to be on, which is um, being honest about one's insecurities. I think that that's something that's really hard to do. Um, it's, it, it, people talk about it. And I think it's like, a, there's a clear movement of uh, that becoming more of an actual thing, but it's easy to say, let's be open about our vulnerabilities as opposed to doing it and sitting with it. And so um, when I write music, I really am trying to be open with my vulnerabilities because I think that they're, I, sometimes I feel like they're the most real thing about me, you know, um, when I can face them. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do with my music is um, and encourage the idea that, that these are a very real part of me, my, my, like I said, insecurities is a big one. My insecurities are a very real part of me and I don't want to um, hide them. So how do you balance, you know, when you're creating music, how do you balance putting your, you know, allowing your insecurities to translate to the music? Like, what does that process look like? How do you, like, how do you, how do you do it? Just by writing lyrics. And so um, it's like, which is more yeah. than most musicians could say nowadays, right? I'm all, I, you know, okay. So I don't, I don't ever want to sound judgmental of other people's stuff because there's so much stuff out there. There's um, so much great music and music that I don't consider to be as good. There's just a lot of content out there, but I do listen to lyrics very intently. And because of, you know, as you know, uh, Effie, you saw me performing. I've, I've still play cover gigs for a living. And I've played a lot of different people's music over the years. And I've, you know, reading and, and singing the lyrics as I'm doing that. And I'm paying attention. And uh, I think good music starts there. I think it's so important to have a, a real message. Um, and so, yeah, the, that's where the insecurity point plays into my music, for sure. It's just writing poetry, having, sitting down, thinking what it, it's, this sounds kind of bad, but it, it, it's um, not meant to be. Usually I start, if I'm, if I'm inspired to write a song or if I need to write a song, it's like, what's bothering me today? And that could also be thought of as what moves me today, which is maybe a little bit less of a negative connotation, but just, I think music, it needs to move you. Like uh, for me, like I want to, I want to be in a slightly different place once I finish listening to a song than maybe I was when I started, I want to have been moved. And so for that, like I said, the easiest way for me just to think what's, what's wrong today or you know, what's, what's an issue today? What's at stake today? And then start writing about that, but pick a thing, pick a thought. So when you're in picking a thought, you're sitting down to write a song yeah. 
and you're try, trying to create your own, fi- trying to find your own voice. It must be difficult, right? You're playing other people's music during the day, whether at, I assume if you're doing cover work, then you're singing other people's music. Yes. You have to identify, do you try and how do you work with other people's music and identify with their lyrics? Do you connect with it on your own or what's that process? <laughs> it can be difficult. Yeah. It's um, a great question. <laughs> so, well, I, I do get an opportunity in doing so many different songs to kind of decide what I identify with and what I don't identify with. Um, so like what I consider to be good, what I consider to be not so good, but even beyond that, there are plenty of songs that I think I can say easily say are good, but that just aren't my vibe that I don't identify with. Um, and, and you are right that sitting down a lot of I, what I hear from a lot of other like artists, like um, directors, you know, not just songwriters, but songwriters as well, of course, is you don't want to be too influenced by, everybody else's stuff because you'll never find your own voice. So that is, it is important for me. Um, and especially when I'm in like a big writing process, um, like uh, this recording of this album, uh, I did it over the course of quarantine uh, in 2020, the one that I'm about to put out. Um, I, I do kind of have to take a real step back from listening to music so much and um, try and like sit quietly with whatever sounds might be ruminating in my own head. So I guess that is to say, I think actually really digging into, to the degree to to be able to play it, um, other people's music, A, has helped me sort of define my own tastes, but then B, I do have to almost take other people's work sometimes with a grain of salt so that I don't allow it to completely shape my voice. And so it's, it's a dance, it's a balance. Ted, you just said some. Ted, you just right. said something that was very, very interesting to me. You said you know, you're trying to find your own voice. The process goes. You're listening to other people's music. And you want trying to while well, trying to find your own voice. And you said like you have to actually go out of go out, get get away kind of get away from other people's music and stop listening to music. Yeah. To find your own yeah. voice. Now, listening like just thinking back to what you said earlier um, when you were talking about you know develop finding your passion for music and learning to play music. You probably were always strumming the guitar and, you know, jotting things down, figuring out what you like. And you probably never had that quiet moment to really think before, right? You were strumming the guitar and now you're, for the first time, creating your own music and you're actually not taking away what was probably like a crutch for you, like listening to music, the way to help you process your feelings and whatever else is going on there. You actually now have to remove yourself and actually sit alone with your own thoughts. That must be a very interesting dynamic going on. It really is, (laughs) for sure. And um, you are right. Like I used to listen to music. Like I still do um, something I like to do with relative frequency. And again, especially because I'm not in a particularly intensive writing process at the moment is I I like to pick a full album um, and like not necessarily one that just came out, but like I like to go back to great albums over the course of history that have been really acclaimed for whatever X, Y, or Z reason. And when I'm running, like I'll run like six miles and listen to the album cover to cover. I think it's cool to do that, to like hear all of what a person had to say. But um, so so that is all to say, yes, I really do enjoy listening to music. Uh, the, the actual act of listening is su- such a great pastime to me. But um, yeah, the taking the step back, um, it's, it's uh, another point of potential insecurity. I have had in my life, um, and it's understandable. I think when other people hear your art, and for instance, me as like, I've, I've never released technically stuff before. I've done a lot of covers and stuff. I've released some covers, but never released my own work before. Um, 
friends, because they see that opportunity to sort of, they just want to help, I think. I think it comes from a good place, but everyone's got the, the idea, the, uh, their two cents of what you could do with this before you release it, you know, like, oh, maybe, she, and I think it just helps people feel like they're a part of it. But inevitably what people end up doing is saying, it should sound more like this, or like they, they want to relate to you. And so they draw another artist that they think maybe they hear a little whisper of in your stuff. And like, if you listen too much of that, it just muddies the waters. Unfortunately, I think people are trying to be helpful and they want to relate. Um, they want to feel like-minded or, or even maybe like impress you with their knowledge of some music that you've not yet heard, you know, everyone wants to, <laughs> to do that. Um, but it's, you've got to be careful because uh, no offense to anyone doing that. I really do believe it comes from a good place. Like I said, but it, it, to put it sort of bluntly, they're just trying to confuse you like without knowing they're doing it. It's just, it just aims to, to um, slow down the process of developing who you are as an artist. And when you get confused and you feel like you might be losing your place, how do you find, how do you center yourself? Find I, yourself? How do you get, yourself I ignore back? everybody. That's a true introvert answer. And I love it's it. The truth. <laughs> that is, I, I will I'll stop talking for, um, I need to <clears throat> I do air too much on the side of that. And it's becomes a problem. I admit that that's real. Like I'm not even kidding about that. But um, I understand why I do it. <laughs> like, because like I said, especially really digging in and I don't even know if, you know, other people will like my music. I hope that they do, but it's, it's meaningful to me now. And that was a starting point that I had to get to. And to do that for, for various chunks of time, I've just had to like really, as I put it, uh, I like to put it um, lower the amount of static that's coming my way. Uh, from other folks. That's a very healthy take. That's a very, very healthy response, by the way. I think that if more people, forget about musicians or not, I think that our life is so full yeah. of static in general and so much, you know, external, external stimulants and, and, you know, takes and, you know, and, and so just so much going on at all times. You, you can never really get anything done well. You know, I mean, I, it, it's, it's crazy to say, but unless you do something like that, it's really hard to to accomplish. You know, finally, you know, get, getting everything you, you, done well and productive. Yeah, you just Especially constantly second guessing every time that you hear some new opinion, and of which there's just endless ones to hear to be heard. Uh, it's like, oh, but maybe I should have taken that into account. Oh shit, wait, uh, maybe <clears> I should. Oh, I now I have to go back to the drawing board. Damn it, you know. And you can just play that game all day long, right. all day long. So. I call, right. uh, so I call it fading the noise. Um, I think that's the, the goal is to eventually get to a place where you can you set up a healthy, um, a healthy routine of how to create and, and to sense yourself and find a way to go. And that part is a whole different aspect. Once you're able to do that, it's about really identifying the voices and, and the opinions that matter, that you trust, that really you think provide value and everything else you need to right. fade. Get it out of your way. Stay away from it. Listen, it's very, listen, I get it. I guess technically I'm, a content creator now. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of people have a lot of ideas on what I should do or shouldn't do and say, and not saying I, no one's bigger at it than my own brain. Yeah. Don't say this, yeah. Say this. <laughs> worrying about, I, I, I worrying about saying the wrong thing and giving, and the, the best part is I, I, I mean, I'm not an advice giver. I, I, I'm not a professional at all. It's kind of the point. I just try and facilitate these conversations, but th it, it's heavy. It's hard. And, and then it takes, it takes, it can take a really emotional toll. You know, people, 
figuring out how to manage other people's egos and, and their values and their opinions on your stuff while also bat, like doing it respectfully. And it's like, they, they're putting the burden on you. Like people are, people are listening to your, are going to listen to your music and your lyrics, and they're going to take something out of it that you may not have even intended them to take sure. out of it. And they're going to then associate that, whatever they take out of it with you without you ever saying, that's what I'm saying. It's a very interesting thing when you create something because you don't, you, you control what's created, but you don't control what comes For out. For sure. Which is kind of neat, you know, uh, and it can be like, I, <laughs> I love, uh, I know I'm quite aware. I listen to a lot of lyrics, um, a lot of the lyrics that I like where I it's vague enough that I'm painting a picture in my head that I'm quite certain is not verbatim what literally the writer intended. Um, and I think that's kind of neat. Um, uh, but it is, you know, it's especially uh, in, in your case, David, like doing a podcast, I can understand how the fear of being misinterpreted and misquoted is got to be pretty prevalent in your mind. And um uh, it, even just in having a conversation right here with you guys, uh, it's, it's I, I've got the same sort of little voice in the back of my head. Like, are you saying something you're going to regret or are, do you think someone could take this the wrong way? You know, so. Well, we're both we're both pretty straightforward. So if we did, well, you, you know, if he did, we'd be like, ah, yeah, I'm sure you want to go that yeah. way. <laughs> no, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, I um, I actually wanted to ask you and I think this has a lot to do with um, and I wanted to hear your perspective on this. I've recently started taking uh, guitar lessons, and I've I, and I've been writing for years. I, I I was a creative writing major in college. Um, I've been writing poetry since 2015, um, and you know. So what I essentially wanted to do was take um, you know music and be able to apply it to my poetry or my lyrics because I really really love music. You know, I think it speaks a lot to me. I think it was similar in the sense that we both appreciate listening to lyrics. It means a lot to us. You know, the music itself obviously means a lot. And so, you know, I started taking guitar lessons. My teacher told me, who's a guy my age, 25, 26 years old, um, you know, I, I was singing a couple of different songs, Van Morrison and Bruce Springsteen and um, John Denver. And he said, and then, and, then, and then we added some, you know, chords to my, cool. one of my own poems. And he, and he said, dude, you know, your voice and your, your performance, your comfort level uh, is totally different when you're singing your own stuff because and and I want I want to see hear what you think of that in terms of especially as a cover artist and a cover musician but also you know have a true a true writer and a true po uh, you know poet you really are um, you know I what, what do you do you feel that that's often the case do you feel that something changes when it's something that's that, that you've written and and can you try to you know put sure. that into words um, yes it is different. <laughs> it is different. Um, yeah, when you when you it's that added. It's like not one layer. It's like ten layers of you know um, realness and um, even just interest that for for you as a performance in what you're doing when they're actually words that you put together that hopefully describe feelings you had. So you can relate to what other singers have written and and still really put a lot of um, yourself sort of channel yourself through something they've said that you you know you you think yeah I, I could see myself saying that like that these words are great these I, I feel I feel this but right. yeah it's it's um, there's no amount of if it's something that you've written from an honest standpoint 
you don't even have to do the whole, you know, that's like, it's like taking out an interface. It's more direct. You're plugged in. It's like, uh, yeah, like this is actually me. So um, yes, I do understand that uh, hearing a comment, like your, your level of comfort when you're singing your own song, I mean, you're more, you're plugged in, man. Like it's, I think, you know, you're, uh, you, you really mean this. You really mean this. Um, and I think that uh, that's something that more and more I, I see when other artists perform and, uh, and just love it. When it seems like somebody really means their performance, like um, they, they're not faking, they're not checked out, they mean it. Right, 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 right. Um, and then I also, I, I, and again, um, you know, I think this is one of the most fascinating things I've heard and, you know, your, your experience, you've been playing again for 10 years and, you know, at least 10 years. Um, but, you know, the musician, the musician's high, the <laughs> famous musician's high when you, or, or, or low, you know, you're, 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 you're in the middle of, of playing a song, you know, you've been playing a set for, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever it is. And something happens where you feel like, because hey, I'm sure when you start performing, there's a, there, there's a fair share of insecurity. What do these people think of me? What do I look like? What do I sound like? And then there's a kind of a moment where like you kind of hit a real like zone almost, you know, I, I, I guess that's where the word is, the zone. Can you, you sure. know, want to talk a little about that? Um, that's absolutely true. I, I think you'd be, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to claim to know everybody's mind and people are different, but I would say that it's likely, I know at least for me, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a performance where you think, let's say it's at least an hour that your first couple minutes was the best part of the performance. You got to get comfortable, you know, and it takes a little, a little warming up usually. And, uh, and just kind of, you got to get the audience into it. You know, it's kind of like um, you sort of, it's like stirring a pot or something. And you eventually you create this momentum where you feel like it's stirring itself, but at first you got to be moving the spoon. So um, getting in the zone is a great feeling. And um, I find, believe it or not, uh, this is something I was actually thinking about the other night um, after a performance that sometimes the best way to do it. And it's, it makes sense why you see a lot of like theatrics, even just from musical performers. Um, the best way to sort of break that initial discomfort is just sure. to sort of act crazy on stage or what might, other people might see as crazy, like just jump around and have quirks. Like, uh, and for me, it's really like, allow yourself to be to spontaneously move because I'm not a real dancer, but like I can get into it, you know, and, um, and just allow yourself to, it's like, you're already up here on stage presenting this to the people below. It's already a little bit of a strange thing. And so just go with it and, and um, uh, do something that you might think someone would see certainly uh, uh, if you were just doing it on the sidewalk <laughs> and be like, what's wrong with that guy. But uh, in this situation, it, it just sort of helps break down that barrier of insecurity, over worrying about what other folks might be interpreting you as and, and how they might be judging you. And I do find that that if I can get there, like where I'm really moving with heart and I probably look really goofy, but I'm, I'm more comfortable. Ted, what's going on in your head while, the, while, while this is going on? You're, are, are there times you just zone, completely zone in and there's just no streamlined thought? You're just playing and going with it? Or are there times where you get in your own head? Both, for sure. Both. Um, 
So when you're so when you're getting in your own mm-hmm. head, and how do you like what what do you have racing thoughts? Are you like question questioning yourself like chords, words, lyrics? Like what's going on? In yeah, um, oh, all kinds of stuff. Um, when I <laughs> over analyzing uh, my own performance uh, for like. Um, I talked about a, a little bit about perfectionism earlier and I can definitely get locked into that mindset on stage and it's just no kind of place to be. Um, <clears throat> so uh, especially I think singers worry a lot about being pitchy, um, you know, being off pitch flat or sharp too much, approaching notes wrong so that they sound kind of throaty and shouty and strained as opposed to like beautiful and pure and effortless. Um, and ironically, the more that you start wondering about that the more you're going to do it for sure um it's it's an unfortunate like paradox but um so kind of going along with the whole like just loosening up and acting a little bit crazy what you might consider to be a little bit crazy um not worrying so much about the technical perfection of a performance i think on stage is key and it's not i am not saying that i always get away with that there are some times where i'm just every other note i'm like flat (laughs) flat sharp come on man like get it together you suck you're 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 a hack but um i think trying to even even when performing covers and this is we could talk about this if you want why i think it's important as a cover artist if you can get away with it and not every venue allows for it but to perform songs that you actually like um just getting more into the character of uh, what what you want the character of the song to be like thinking about those words living the words being being the message like uh, what is this song about what's the vibe what am i actually saying and how can i portray that with um it, it, like with my soul and um and not worrying about uh oh did i plink and pluck this note wrong you know did i miss a chord or or am i singing a little bit flat today am i a little bit throaty And when you were talking about, you know, having to sell a song or, you know, the times where you like, you hope that a club will let you pick your own songs that you can cover, that you can buy into. <laughs> why do I get to feel that you have a memory or a distinct, distinct, uh, distinct example of where this happened and you weren't able to do you it? You mean not being able to pick my set list, for instance, you mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the, yeah, all, and having to buy all the time there's that pull. Um, uh, I don't want to <laughs> say this without, I don't want to be rude. Um, Pete. Uh, all right. Why not? People why, like why, why people not like a lot of songs that I consider to be very bad, and um, my t- you know this I think is the case of a lot of musicians. Uh, this is what I do, so my tastes are rather particular, and they kind of need to be if I'm going to create any. If like we we're talking about before, if I'm going to find my voice, if I'm going to carve that out, I have to get rid. Like, let's think about like you know my voice, whatever my art, what I'm creating is a sculpture. I've got to get rid of a lot of clay to get there. And so that means, yeah, understanding, hearing music and saying, I don't like that. That's not me. That's not what I'm into. So having a definitive particular taste. <laughs> Anyways, you know, people like all kinds of music. And so um, if you're a lot of places, you know, like especially, quite frankly, request based work, which I don't do a lot of nowadays. Um, I'm, I'm lucky that I've moved up to venues, even just doing the cover thing uh, where that's not the vibe which I thank God for. Um, but in a place where it is kind of like a tip jar cover based kind of gig, uh, having that level of audience control 
you know, it's, it's kind of like we were talking about with other people trying to influence the way that I write my songs. It's like, everyone's just trying to influence your set. And inevitably, if you try to play into that too much, which I've, I played that game for years, trying to play into that to earn money. And it's, you, you're going to play so many songs <laughs> that you just detest. And it gets to the point where you, I, I, it got to the point for me, when I got too deep into doing that to make a buck, you, you don't even like music anymore. Like it's, it's a bad thing. And uh, no, God bless anybody that does that. And, and there are people who I think don't have as much of a problem with that. Maybe they're not trying to make their own stuff and they don't really, they would think I'm an artsy fartsy, you know, snob. And, and you know what, they, <laughs> they might be right. Uh, so it's not, I'm, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is there are cover artists I know who are great people who perform very well, who have, who say, honestly, and have said this to me, people, great musicians who are like, yeah, I don't really care. I'll play anything. Like, I don't care if, if it's what the people want, you know, I'll put my spin on it and it's all good. Um, that is not the way that I feel. And so, yes, as David, to answer your question, there have been thousands of times that I have found myself playing a song that I actually really don't like. And I've just, I, I'm sick. Like, I'm, it just, I'm crawling from the inside out. And uh, it's not Does that good. stay with you? I, I, I can tell. Uh, yeah, it, it has. Sure. It, yes. Yes, it does. You feel so cheap, you know? You feel cheap. Yeah, this this thing, the, as I've explained to you guys, this thing that from it was the most important thing to me once I found it and it has stayed that way. It gave me meaning in an otherwise materialistic 10 year old life. You know, it's, it, it was it was a game changer for me. It, it made things make sense. And now I'm performing the what I consider to be the very worst of it to make a couple bucks and get a couple of claps. That life has no meaning when I'm doing that. It's terrible. Dave, I think you got this. I think we're both thinking. I think I think we're both thinking of responses. But Dave, you go ahead. Man. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm think, I'm taking it all in now and, and hearing how much it matters to you. And I, I have the, I have a, I have an idea of what it must be like. And I'm curious to hear what you think. You know, the way my music, the my relationship with music is very strange. Um, a lot of music that I have on my like playlist, I, I'm not a big, I don't listen to music that often because of my relationship with music. It's very tough for me to, to connect with a lot of songs because usually I, the new music that's come out over the years, I haven't really taken a liking to. I like some EDM <laughs> some of the time. And I, I know both of you don't give me shit. I like EDM. It makes me want to dance sometimes. Okay. <laughs> it's whatever. It's enjoyable. I love a lot of EDM. <laughs> I, I love a lot of EDM. Big Okay, big, big fan of electronic music. That was me. That was yeah. me. I'm judging you, David. Don't worry. I'm judging you. Whatever. Ted Wong, but I'm judging you. Good. No, I, I, I love right. electronic music. But go ahead. A lot of the music, a lot of the music that I like to listen to are bands from like the mid 2000s. I had an older brother, three years older than me, so I was able to get like I remember like growing up listening to a mixture of like Eminem, Jimmy World, Gavin DeGraw, The Fray, The Script, and like a couple other bands here and there. Green Day, like. My, so my music's like, and those are the same songs that I still like to listen to today, but when they come on, it triggers emotional reactions. Yeah. Me. I remember certain moments that key on into those emotional memories. Um, I can like think of like certain examples of, of songs that like, I cannot listen. There's some songs that I cannot listen to this day. There were songs that took me a while to be able to listen to because it would just trigger some serious emotions. And you've been listening and playing music your entire life. I was curious to know what, if you found a similar relationship with music and memory. Yes, I do. Um, uh, 
when I was saying before talking about like uh, we, you, I think you put it lowering the noise, which is good. And not only doing that with people who might um, want to give their two cents, but even just music that inevitably gives its two cents because you're listening so intently all the time. So like when I'm in a, in a heavy writing or recording process, you know, I'm trying not to listen too much to lower that noise. That's, um, <clears throat> it's something I still kind of, like I said, I'll have my runs where I'll listen to stuff, but I'm not a type of person. I don't have music playing in the background at my apartment ever, ever. I, I go to, wow, wow, never. wow. I, it's funny. Cause I, I, I'm very lucky to have a girlfriend who's the same way. She doesn't really want a lot of music playing on the background. She's got a, she, she busts her ass at her job all the time. So it's not like it could be playing anyways, but, um, so music is the fact that it's, you know, it's like, I don't want to cheapen it. Like I, uh, listen intently to stuff that I really think is good. And I try not to do it too much because the experience is just so damn good. Once I do, it's overwhelming, overwhelming. I get chills all the time listening to music that I think uh, is, is valuable. So yes, um, I very much relate to, to what you're saying about uh, it, it taking you back somewhere, but just like um, it, it's an overwhelming experience. I just love it. But it's, if I were listening all the time, that, there's no way that it could have that same effect. It would, my, my own head, the market that is my head would be too oversaturated. Dude. Dude. I, it's a good example. It's a good example. You know, saturated. Yeah. I want to say, Ted, I mean, just, just, you know, just interject the last two things that you said. Um, first with the cheapening music, you know, in terms of performing and then this right now, just how much it means to you. I have, I don't think I've ever heard anybody be so articulate about something that they're so clearly passionate about. I've never heard anyone like there, there I, I don't, you know, you, there's sometimes where you hear things and, and, you know, you can say I call bullshit, you know, I, you know, I, I hear and I'm like, you know what? It's really nice. Yeah. It's a really nice sentiment. Yeah. You know, I don't think that I've ever heard anyone say anything as, quite as genuinely and authentically impassioned as those last two speeches that you just, or like monologues even, you know, call it what you will, that were, they, they were amazing. And yeah. um, I, and Dave, if you don't mind, um, what do you do? How, how do you do it when you feel like everything that you find meaningful and beautiful and valuable is cheapened? And how did you get through those thousands of gigs and you know, a decade worth of cover art that you may not have, that, 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 that would have had you feeling this way. What, what, in the world, how'd you do it? It's crazy to me. Well, I used to uh, drink more. Okay. And I don't do that anymore. And uh, as, so there's, I have, a, I have a history of substance abuse and I think that probably numbing myself out to what I would otherwise see as bastardizing my favorite thing was a, was a method, a coping mechanism, a very unhealthy one for a while. And um, I've been sober for a while and I gotta say it's, it's a blessing. And the, uh, just at, at people who, who are sober like and don't drink and stuff, you, you find as you move forward, your ears just get clearer and clearer and clearer. And um, you talk about lowering the level of noise, you know, in your own head. And so it allowed uh, me to take a look at a lot of what I've been doing and say, hey man, I get it. You got to earn a paycheck, but this isn't worth it. It's not worth it. It's too painful. And so um, 
to, to answer your question, how did I do it? Uh, by trying not to pay attention to what I was doing was how I did it for a long time. Now that I'm paying attention, I can't do it. So um, I make less money as of now, but um, you know, with the right amount of work and luck, perhaps I will be able to transition into the future to doing what I really somewhere back there always wanted to do and now very much in the forefront of my mind want to do, which is create my own art and uh, scrape right. out a living doing that. Wow. Ted, first of all, congratulations on, on, on overcoming addiction, on overcoming substance Thank abuse you. and, and, and understand. I think, I think a lot of people don't understand how, how powerful those, um, those challenges are in people's lives and, and, and people who overcome it give me immense like strength and, and give a lot of time, um, give a lot of perspective in, into life. And, you know, the life of a, a musical artist from the outside perspective is one that is very, very, very hard to like really, um, understand because there's a lot, it takes a lot of time. It compounds, you know, the amount of time that you play and the amount of time that you gig and, and just working yourself up to get to a place where you want to be can be very challenging. I know like there is a, a picture or a false stigma put onto musicians with that and, and all of that and all of their image. And as somebody who's just came on is, is on a platform like this to admit to people that you don't know that, uh, about those challenges, that takes a lot of courage. I, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I'm, I, I'm thankful for you guys asking me to do it. It's really cool. And um, I, uh, like I, like I was kind of saying before, when I write, this is what I want it to be about. Like I want it to be about being honest with the things that are uncomfortable to be honest about vulnerabilities. And so this is an actual opportunity for me to kind of put up or shut up and do it, not just in lyrics, but actually discuss it. And it's, um, it's, it's really cool. So I, I, I thank you for the opportunity. And you admittedly said that you weren't like pretty much able to like, you weren't like you're an introvert and, and talking about like these things that you want to do, but you know, are really tough to do. How did you get to a place that you're able to come and do? Mm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, um, uh, I think just, well, a, uh, you, we did a little bit of a preliminary chat with you guys and I listened to some of your podcasts and, uh, I like you both. You're, you're, I like the way you both seem open and, and genuine and um, uh, you seem to listen and that's great. And then it's, uh, I find the more and more as I grow older that uh, life is a series of trying things that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but that you probably should try. Much of life is that um, if you want to grow. And so I figured I'm a little uncomfortable with this, probably, probably should try it. That's awesome. You know, I've talked about on, on, on a lot of episodes, the idea of us seeking discomfort and, and finding ways to, to challenge yourself and to go out of your shell. And I think just doing something like this, and I, listen, I appreciate you even to even considering it I, I, from our perspective, from my perspective, it's, it's like a real, I, it always inspires me. It's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. I love to facilitate conversations. I love to hear about other people, you know, how the, the challenges and how, and how they've overcome. And if they haven't even overcome the journey, them, just the beauty. And, and there's something beautiful about the pers people, the journey and, and the struggle, the overcoming struggle and appreciating the struggle while, while you're actually struggling and knowing that there's a lot more coming. And I, I know you've touched on a, a few challenges and, and I'm not going to, go so far into that unless you're willing to go there but i do want to give you you know the opportunity now like 
if you could give advice to somebody out there, maybe somebody, a kid or young adult, or even it could be an adult, you know, advice can mean so many different things. What's, what's something that you did in your life that you think could help a lot sure. of people? Um, uh, well, number, number one that I'd like to say, which, yeah, we haven't gotten too much into, but I'd um, uh, be happy to, to talk a bit about is uh, therapy. And um, there have been various stages of my life where I have been involved in therapy and then uh, stages where I'll kind of pull back. Um, but, uh, as someone who definitely, uh, deals with a, I think a fair amount of depression and anxiety on a regular basis, which actually fuels a lot of, uh, the art and, and writing for me. Um, it, it's, I'm always doing better personally when I am pretty regularly talking to someone in, in a professional safe setting about that stuff. So I think, um, it, it was, you know, uh, recommended to me by my, my girlfriend, who I love very much, and who has shout my out to the girlfriend. heart. Got to uh, have a shout out. <laughs> I, shout out to the girlfriend. Yes. But she, she sees the change in me when I'm not um, doing that, and uh, probably even before I'm able to acknowledge it. So I think um, it, it, it very much along the same lines. Therapy is something that is not always comfortable, but personally, and it's not for everybody. And I totally understand that. It's not a one-size-fits-all. But... If you're considering it, I would say give it a try uh, because I, I have found that it's um, it's helpful. Uh, and then second, Oops. sorry, sorry. Uh, secondly, this uh, goes back to the point I was making about when I, especially when I'm deep into working on stuff. Uh, and I think, I believe it was Effie, you added to it, or maybe it was David, but saying, you know, eventually, hopefully the goal is you find some outside voices that you trust to help because you don't want to put yourself in, in the, the, the ultimate of all echo chambers, which is inside your own head all the time without any sort of outside input. But um, so hopefully finding voices you trust. But to, I guess if you're a young artist, um, be discerning and understand that every no offense to them. I don't think people do this out of malice always, most of the time not. But to, just to put it plainly, it at least feels like everyone is always trying to shape you into what they think you should be. And um, there's no way that you can possibly keep up with all of that. You can't please everybody. And even sometimes people who are close to you um, that you might love and respect uh, aren't, if even just that, it might be a small group of people. If you're constantly concerned with making sure you are what they think you should be, we can talk about that for a it's a losing years, game. By the way, it's a losing I, game. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's yeah, I think that is incredibly well put. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just, and it's understandable because we do. I, 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 I can't speak for everyone, but I want to please people. I want people to like me. You know, I want people to think that I am valid and pat me on the back and say, you did a good job. But, um, but again, uh, it's okay to, I think as a, as a big theme in this conversation we've had, I would say to young artists, young musicians, or just young people who, who are, who are insecure and who have concerns uh, with, with socializing and stuff like, it's okay to lower the noise sometimes if you feel like you're getting all of these conflicting versions of the you that you should be and they're only coming from other people and you you're losing sight of who you think you should be uh, there's a lot to process there i wanted to touch on on, on on step one was was talking about therapy therapy something that i've talked a lot about um on this podcast before and i've talked about it uh my experience with it 
therapy is very it's very interesting because it's it's a really it's something that i think everyone can use but not everyone not everyone not everyone can get great access to sure it. i think there's a lot i think there's a lot of bad therapy that goes on out there and i think there's some good um i think fine get the the transition of even finding the right therapist is, is is really tough you know it's it takes time to develop a relationship and not only time it takes money it's yes expensive. it is but some but i think the way to look at therapy is as you look at spend you should kind of look at it as the way you spend any of your time or money it's an investment and it's an investment in you and i think i i, I don't know this is an idea that just pops into my it's popped in my head recently and thinking about it one of the I think one of the biggest challenges that stops people from going to therapy and I think it manifests in it's the afraid to invest in themselves they're you know it's a lot of the times we create our own obstacle there's so many obstacles that are in our own way so many things that we that are out of our control but one of them that we do control is how we how we take care of ourselves and that could be obviously through physical and as well as you know I believe how important it and it's connected to the mental health aspect investing in your own mental health investing in therapy investing in and putting in time and money and effort into actually working on on whatever it is that you have issues with, and there's no, it's, it's there's no downside to having a sh- talking to somebody you don't know that has no power over your life outside of that time block that can really help you get through it. And they can't. And listen, that's obviously got to find someone and get to that place. But there's something there. I, I don't I don't know. As somebody as, as somebody else who's gone through therapy, I'm curious to hear what you think about well, it. First of all, uh, you're absolutely right that it's expensive. Not everybody has access to it. Um, and I, I totally get it. It is expensive and I, I'm not a rich man. And so when I spend money on therapy, it's like, you know, I only do so because of what you are saying that I, I see this as one of the more important things that my money can buy. Um, but uh, totally understood why that's a, you know, that's a hindrance. It's been a hindrance for me. Um, and that's what's so impressive. That's the part that so um, that blows me away. That and I'm so in awe of your awareness. Is that like you said yourself? Admittedly, you're you know a guy who's looking to make his career in music, but it it, it's, it hasn't been easy. And forgive me if I'm wrong. I'll share. You're Two, what, 30, thirty-two, young, yeah. young thirties. You're thirty. You're, you're only you're only thirty-two years old. And you've already identified what I think it takes people much more many more years to understand is that you don't like. It's not like you're saying like, oh, I'm this rich guy and I can afford it. You're saying. I understand that I don't have the money, but I'm willing to budget myself and my life around something that I know is yes. so valuable. That to me is so it's, uh It's, uh, it really is. It's, it's one of the expenses uh, that I make each month that I don't have to second guess anymore. And I used to, but it's like, no, that one, that's just one of the basics at this point. And, um, and I also, to, to another one of your points, it is true that finding the right one, you hear that so much that I feel like it's, it sounds like a cliche, but it's because it's true. I've uh, had a number of different therapists. I've been with the same one for a little over a year now who I think is just fantastic. And, um, and I think what, what constitute a good therapist uh, for each individual is probably very different, but I think personality has something to do with it. Just uh, being a particular <clears throat> mind and human being who you feel really comfortable opening up to. And uh, that takes time to figure out. You're not going to know that. I don't think in the first session with somebody, but um, so there's a bit, you know, it's a, it's like, it's almost, it sounds silly, but it's like dating, you know, it doesn't you know, sound silly kind of, at all, by the way. It's absolutely it, true. It takes time. It's, it's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
Ted, get out of Ted, get out of my like get out of my brain. I was literally like as you were talking, I was making that I was making that connection in my own head. I was like, oh my god, like I have so many dating parties right. here to go on. Yeah, it takes you usually don't know much about somebody after a first date. Um but um but I'm lucky that I I'm with a therapist now who I really trust and feel comfortable telling my deep, darkest thoughts to. And um I think that it because of that. Uh, it's, it's not like every session is just jaw dropping, eye opening, oh, I'm enlightened, you know, it, they're various, you know, it's, it's more of a, a routine and being in the routine where I know throughout my, if you go bi-weekly or if you go weekly, or even if you go once a month, like I know that as things happen that are uh, really distressing, it's like, I, I'm looking forward to getting to talk about this with somebody um, who doesn't have any stake in the game, you know, like who or skin in the game, like a, who isn't related to me in any way other than on a professional level. Like I'm, I'm looking, I'm basically, uh, that happens throughout the week. I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk to my therapist about this. Like, <clears> it's <throat> just good to know that you have that buffer there. Um, and to, uh, to know that you're not just, you don't have to be just alone with this shit. It's like, well, you're going to have to sort that one out in your head eventually. In, in which case for me, I never would. I would just bury it or something, you know? So it's good. Right. And you said that there was a time where you would just bury it. And I, obviously you sound like great emotionally now, but I would be remiss if we didn't, if you didn't, if you were, uh, if you're able to just talk about what it was like before you were able to get a little, like a little bit, at least when you mentioned anxiety and depression, what was it like going through those? Oh, uh, well, I'm still very anxious and depressed to be frank with you. Um, but um, no, okay. that's, that's still very real, but um, yeah, burying it. I, I always used to get told, as a kid, you know, that was my tendency to, to just stuff it inside. I didn't want to talk about it. I would just go in my room and play guitar and I would, you know, became very angsty, um, which I carried on way later into life with me. And I'm uh, still working on that. I have lessened the amount of that substantially, but I still work on things like angst and, uh, you know, being too judgmental of myself first. And then and, you ultimately, if you do that, you also judge others too much. It's just a nasty cycle to get into. So I guess. And you mentioned just being in angst, like you said, like, oh, I was an, I, I still have ancient, I'm still ancient depressed. And I apologize if I put that on you that you were much better. It just sounds like you're like you're, and I think that's kind of the point of talking about mental health. Like there's no cure. There's no really like a cure. Like you can, you just learn how to deal right. and manage a lot of it and like learning how to deal and manage it is the way to to get to get through it but you did talk about you know how you're still anxious and you're still you still like go through angst and you still have challenges sure. what do you do like what are some what are some things other than therapy that you do do you meditate i don't know some people meditate you mentioned you run is that something oh that yes. like helps yeah you? i exercise every day just about maybe like six days a week it's extremely helpful um <clears throat> therapy is a big one i was really into meditation for a while and I've had it on my list of get back into's for months now. Um, but uh, that's something that was really valuable. And then somewhere along the line, I kind of dropped off on, but I have, have every aim to get back into because that's a, I think that that one is really important and it's just, it's definitely an increasing movement, I think for a reason. Um, a quiet time it, uh, for not only physically quiet time, but time where you're trying to quiet your thoughts is great. Um, you know, trying to get the proper amount of sleep, which is not always easy because I'm an, a classic overthinker. So I tend to wake up and then I'm just like wide awake. Um, but, um, 
yeah, uh, it's certainly, you know, the, the, the basics, like, the, the, you know, the Joe Rogan uh, mental health diet, which is work out and eat well, uh, which I do think, you know, it has its place and is important. And I do try to do that. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned Joe Rogan, man. I didn't know, I, as, a, as somebody who follows Joe Rogan a lot, like I'm a big fan of his, I think it's very funny that you mentioned that way because he does so many other things yeah. as well. You know, when people break up what you do with their, with what you do to like deal with your mental health, you know, the big ones you always hear is, you know, eat well and yeah. exercise and meditate and I don't know if it's do something creative with your time. Like all those things are things that everyone can do, but I found and I've learned through actually doing this podcast and talking to people, a big part of it is actually the relationships that we have with other people and the conversations that we have are part of it. As well as Joe Rogan also does a couple of it. Like people do other things. Like he also sits in the sauna. And I you love don't the sauna. About it. When he goes home, and he Sorry. has a great relationship with his wife and his good relationships. And he go and he go and he has a and he has a relationship with his kids and he has a relationship with friends. Like right. that all I really do believe plays into my mental health. I, and the only reason I take it personally is I think about times where how much better my relationships are with my friends when I'm in a better mental state. And obviously there's cor- not, ev- not, not everything's causations. There are correlations, but I just found that personally, like it's not just those things. Uh, those things really ca- do a great job of helping, but there's so many things that play into it that create yeah. a mental. Makeup. And uh, to, to be frank and fair, I'm really happy to be doing this. Are you guys still there? Okay. I thought I yeah, had to hang up. Still um, the um, that relationship, external relationships component of mental health, which I think is very real, that is the one that I struggle with the most. Um, I have a tough time reaching out to people. I'm socially uncomfortable for the most part, and um, it is something we we talked about. You know, doing things that you aren't super comfortable with as a way to grow. That's one that I still have to get a handle on that I admittedly have not yet. Yeah, but the fact that you're even aware of it. I mean, listen, you can you can list all those things, and those can be a part of like who you identify, like who you think you are, and identify with. And then again, here we are sitting sitting remotely having a conversation about mental health that we've yeah. never met before. The only time we've ever spoken was for like an hour and a half last week. We just chatted and got to know each other a bit, and yet here we are talking about these things. And it's that's a big credit to you. And I, I you you didn't you've done a really good job of painting a picture of yourself and. and but hearing where you are now, it brings like I, I, I'm. I'm just saying what I guess I'm just long mind saying. I'm ah! a Ted Owen fan. I think there, I think there are a lot of people that that meet you and and, and are around you will will believe that and will say the same thing. You know, it's talk like talking. I, I just you're. It's an inspiration to me. You're talking as a guy, and I know we haven't gone as far as so super into detail, but I can hear the pain from your past and and and, and the struggles that you went through that you've talked about. And here you are today, at 32 years old living your dream of making make about to release your first album in a great relationship um you have a girlfriend you're in therapy like you're running every day like at, at 32 years old it seems like you know you're in a really good strong place and obviously challenges can well pro- life's not easy challenges will come but it seems like you're creating the support system in place to to handle that and at least our aware first step is just even being aware a lot of people aren't even awakened to, to i appreciate that man um it's uh awareness self-awareness is uh an ongoing journey that i'm really interested in because it's it's not i think that um i i believe for my most of my life i wanted to think of myself as more so self-aware than in hindsight i was and um true self-awareness uh i think is it's it's a fascinating journey 
fascinating journey and and not not easy yeah now now i want to transition just to go full circuit with the music because it's something that i'm i'm really curious about your you you finished recording your album that's coming out in February. Yeah, starting, starting to, to release it by single. Uh, that's what uh, sort of the formula that I've been told is is wisest as a new artist to do is start by releasing a, three or four singles from a given record and then drop the whole thing as a as a as a one piece. But that's awesome. And and where are we all be able streaming to find services? Also, if um, if people have any interest in searching me out on any social media platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, even uh, I'm my handle is at Ted Owen Music, all one word. And my website's tedowenmusic.com, but you'll find it on Spotify and uh, all, all of the like streaming services. Well, I'm so excited to to to, to hear your album. I know how much, I can tell how much hard work you put into it, and um, I've already you know heard a few clips of you singing on Instagram and. I'll put all of your links in the show notes below and, 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 and blast it out when I cool. blast it all out there. And I'm, I'm just super excited. And, and honestly, man, congratulations on, on all your success so far, just leading up to it. And some people will say, Oh, so you can think like, what's the success? <laughs> I haven't even gotten there. I, I see, I know what that journey is just to even get to the step. And per, I, I just, I can relate to it so much because people would tell me all the time, like when I couldn't get in, when I was struggling and I dropped out of college after six weeks and I think I threw and then I graduated college and everyone's like, that's a big, huge accomplishment. I felt like it was nothing. And then, and there are times where I did things where I didn't think there were times in my life. I never believed I was going to be able to, and people would say celebrate. And I never could. And I just, I don't know if so part of me is attached to your journey now. And I want, I feel like you're like just watching the success of just even putting you putting out your album. Like I know that there's success and I hope you, I hope you're able to understand how, how powerful your story is and, and the impact it it has on people because you putting out an album now is 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 everything, man. It, it means I, a lot. Thanks so much, man. Uh, the support in your words is uh, very touching, and I um, I'm really looking forward to you hearing hearing the songs and uh, kind of hearing. Um, you know, we've we've talked about a lot of what went into that, but actually hearing the things themselves. Great and. Ted, just to, um, you know, just to give you the platform now uh, as we wrap up, is there a lasting thought and message that you want to get out there, whatever it is that you want, um, that you want to get out there? Now's, now's the time. Hmm. Well, I, I, I would have to say um, that I was very nervous to do this, and I'm glad that, glad that I did. And um, I think what you're doing is really cool with this podcast and I'm glad you are and that it's um, talking about our vulnerabilities and our insecurities and our second guessing of ourselves is um, it I, when I, for instance, when I, when I've heard, I've listened to some episodes of your podcast, when I've heard even you discuss your personal vulnerabilities and insecurities, it's very helpful to uh, hear other people's um stories and and then see a little bit of yourself and just understand that other people are vulnerable too and so like i said i'm i'm was nervous doing this and i'm glad i did because uh i want to contribute to destigmatizing that general conversation Thank you for Effie for being the first co-host of the podcast and that bringing a lot to the table, asking some greatly timed questions. And of course, the guest, Ted, incredible, so insightful, really brought 
so much honesty and openness and was able to articulate it all so well. I was blown away. And I urge everyone to follow Ted on his social media accounts at the handle Ted O Music. And you can find singles from his upcoming full-length debut album, Smile, You're Dying, which will begin appearing on Spotify and all other music streaming platforms under Ted Owen starting this February. You can also find it on YouTube as well. And if anybody out there is interested in coming onto the podcast, you can reach me at don'tworryaboutapodcast at gmail.com or on my Instagram page, Don't Worry About a Podcast, or through my Facebook by the same name. And if anybody out there wants to come on as a guest or as a co-host or to form a conversation with others, that's okay too. This podcast is evolving and growing and there's no bounds and limits to what I'm willing to try and do. So let me know what you guys thought about having a co-host and what more you think I should do in the future. Also, please, everyone, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It goes a long way in helping me grow the podcast and really improve it. As well as share it. If there's somebody in your life you think could val- would be interested or value it, please share it with them. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you next week.